Well, our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6. We're reading verses 16 through 18. I invite you to open your Bibles uh, with me there. We're continuing Jesus' teaching through the Sermon on the Mount, listening for how he instructs us to live a fulfilled life. You know, as I've been thinking more about the passages over the past few weeks that we've been reading, as I've been looking at this week's reading, there's, there's one word that jumped out to me, uh, authenticity. Right? And, and I was reminded of uh, a story of something I saw a few years ago. Uh, there was a product that was marketed to Jeep owners who lived in the city. It was called Spray-On Mud. And the thought was that people who were living in the city couldn't really take their Jeep out into the country. They couldn't take it off-road. They couldn't get any mud on the tires. Uh, But obviously you have a Jeep so that you can tell a particular story about yourself. Uh, So the makers of the product said, with spray-on mud... They can make it look like they've been off-road instead of just driving to the shops and back. I thought, wow, what what an interesting concept. You know, that's that's kind of indicative of the world that we live in. We we try to put on a show uh, while God is calling us continually to live an authentic life. I think Jesus is concerned in his teachings that we might miss out on an authentic life-giving faith for a spray-on faith. You know, the the spray on faith, the kind that seems like the easy road, but ends up leaving you exhausted, just trying to impress others, trying to impress God, rather than an authentic faith. A faith is striving to be near to God, to be close with him and to honor him. And so we're going to read this morning in Matthew chapter 6. We continue Jesus' teaching, uh, verses 16 through 18. So as Jesus is teaching, he says this. It says, whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say, thanks be to God. So as Jesus moves from uh, talking about giving alms to how to pray uh, to fasting, he again creates a distinction between the hypocrite and the person who's sincere. If you remember uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about a hypocrite as a person who's just putting on a show. The word hypocrite in Jesus's time came from the world of the theater. To be a hypocrite was to be an actor. Uh, And Jesus, using the word hypocrite as a way for him to highlight the theatrical ways in which some people were approaching life. They were living for the show, playing things up for the audience. A person uh, might act a certain way to put on a show for others, to uh, gain recognition from others, to impress the people around them. It took place in the religious world in which Jesus operated. I mean, we see it uh, in our day-to-day lives. We've all known people who are like that, that are just living for the show. Uh, Politics and social media are oftentimes full of it. Uh, People who are changing up positions to go along with just whatever seems popular. People who say things in front of a particular audience so they can rally people to their side. People who can't resist the urge to just pile on so they can get that attaboy from others. Recently, author and Bible teacher Beth Moore 
I think we've done some of her studies here at our women's study group. Well, she tweeted something out about growing grapes and, and just amazed at the process and how she had them. And she said, you know, if Jesus is trying to get me to have a crush on him, it's working. Uh, and her tweet just kind of sat there for a little while, not really gaining much traction. But then there were a few people that began to criticize it. And once they did, there were several hundred other people that just had to comment on it. First, the people who were knocking it, you know, how could you say that? You know, it's romanticizing God. And then there were the people who needed to criticize the people who were criticizing her and everybody trying to claim their slice of righteousness by commenting on the right side of the issue. One side calling out the other side and then being called out by the other side so they can get, you know, whatever attaboy the other side uh, or their own side wanted to give them. It all ends up being some kind of performative nonsense that ends up with little bearing on the lives of others. Jesus would later on say that this kind of performative religion, just saying and doing things to rally a particular group of people to your side, is straining at gnats while swallowing a camel. As Jesus is talking about fasting, this is in part what he's getting at. Now, fasting was something that was only required by God one day a year, the Day of Atonement. But, but people would fast at other times throughout the year as, as a way of expressing grief in conjunction with prayer, uh, as a sign of repentance, uh, as a way of dedicating oneself to God and drawing closer to him. The Pharisees in Jesus' day had the practice of fasting every Monday and Thursday. And in itself, fasting could be uh, a particularly powerful act of piety. Uh, Jesus fasted for 40 days before beginning his ministry. He instructed his disciples that they needed to fast and to pray several times uh, throughout scripture. But the approach of the Pharisees, the approach of those that Jesus is calling hypocrites had very little to do with God. It was all about their appearance. While they neglected the things that actually mattered to God. So when Jesus says to wash your face, He's saying that that you're fasting or whatever forms of deepening your relationship with God that you decide to practice actually need to focus on God and not yourself. I heard about a comedian who tells fans when he meets them in public that he won't take a picture with them. He'll talk to them, but he's like, but we're not going to take any pictures. And there's some people who are satisfied, right? They get a chance to meet a celebrity, somebody that they like, but there's other people that, that walk away frustrated and angry that he won't let them take their picture. It seems like the people who are frustrated are kind of upset because they weren't really interested in meeting this comedian They just wanted to be able to show other people that they met him. I wonder how many people go through their walk with God that way. Wanting the picture. Yeah, I've checked the box. I'm good. Without really engaging in the conversation. Without really engaging in the relationship with him. It reminds me of the saying when I was growing up. I would say, don't just talk about it, be about it. It's saying to just stop acting in a particular way. Stop putting on a show for others and actually live the life that you claim. As Jesus is teaching about what it means to live authentically, to truly find, uh, to fast in a way that pleases God, he's bringing people's attention uh, away from their self and he's placing the attention back on God, back on what really honors God, what really makes an impact in a person's life and what's going to make an impact in the lives of others. As Jesus is calling our attention to fasting and as he's calling us to fasting in a proper way, 
He's bringing back the words of the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 58, uh, the prophet addresses the people of Israel who are, are doing a great job of putting on a show. Right? The people seem to think that they're doing all the right things. God, we've, we're checking all the boxes, and you're the one who's not being faithful. You're the one who's not showing up when we think that you're supposed to show up. But their fasting is being done so they can try to get God on their side while ignoring what it truly means to follow God. And so God speaks to the prophet Isaiah uh, to give him this warning. And so we're going to read in Isaiah chapter 58, uh, beginning in verse 3. In the beginning of verse 3, the people ask, you know, Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? And God responds to them. And he says, look, it's never probably a good thing, right? If, if you're talking to God and God responds like, look, look here. Like, this, it's not a good thing. God says, look, you serve your own interest on your fast day, and you oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? But is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice? to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repair of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Jesus, the prophet Isaiah, rather than just calling people to a new way of fasting, God's calling them to a new way of life. Rather than just putting on a show, God is calling people to do the things that actually matter to God. Rather than just going through all the trouble and all the problems of just simply trying to appear religious, God is calling people to an authentic way of living in the world. And he's telling us, 
He's telling us that as we are seeking to live that authentic life, that it has to be lived in relation to others. The kind of fulfilled life that God desires for us cannot be lived apart from the people around us. The prophet is instructing the people that they cannot have a full relationship with God apart from a just relationship with each other without being participants within God's inbreaking kingdom in the world. So with the prophet Isaiah is directing us towards what Jesus is laying out for us in the Sermon on the Mount is if we want a, a real spiritual awakening within our lives, within our church, within our community, within the Methodist church, within our nation, within the world, that we've got to do more than just put on a show, than just check the box. If we want to see God move and work, if we want real revival, it can't be about us. We can't be the ones who take the center stage has to be for the sake of others, right? Our giving alms, our prayers, our fasting can't be for our own gain and our own glory, but it has to be for the glory of God and for the good of others. And this was Jesus's overwhelming critique of the Pharisees throughout the Sermon on the Mount and throughout his ministries and everything they did, they were holding up two thumbs and just saying, look at me. And over and over again, Jesus reminds them, it's not about you. Perhaps this is the secret to a fulfilled life, right? If you want to live a life with meaning and purpose, if you want to live a life with peace and with hope and with joy, it's not about you. We spend so much time worrying about this, that, and the other, but do we pause to think about what really matters to God? As followers of Christ in an ever-changing world, do we spend more time Focused on defending ourselves, trying to win whatever battles we feel are in front of us, trying to make sure that we look good in the process? Or are we concerning ourselves with things that truly matter to God? I'm going to try to speak more plainly for a minute. Uh, Most of you know uh, that at this time, the United Methodist Church, our, our current denomination, is experiencing a divide. The Global Methodist Church uh, has launched, and many churches are finding a new home in that denomination. And our church is currently working through a process to determine if that would be a good future home for us and what that cost would be. And so at the moment, there's legal discussions. We are joined in with 105 other churches throughout Florida. We have people who are members of our church who want to stay in the United Methodist Church. And there's many members of our church who would have us join the Global Methodist Church. And I've shared before that I find myself more theologically aligned with the Global Methodist Church. I think it's the expression of Methodism that most closely aligns with Scripture and the Wesleyan understanding of God's grace and God's call to a holy life. I'd be happy to talk with anyone more about it if you'd like, but but this is the reality within all of that. Whether this church joins the Global Methodist Church or if we stay a United Methodist Church, We will not have revival. We will not experience God's presence. We will not reach new people. We will not see lives that are changed and transformed by the power of Jesus if we are not engaged in the things that matter to God. The name of the building doesn't mean a thing if we're not loosening the bonds of injustice, setting the oppressed free, sharing bread with the hungry, providing shelter for the homeless, offering clothing to the naked. The name on the building doesn't mean a thing if we are not offering people Jesus. Right, the real Jesus. Not just the Jesus who agrees with all of your political opinions. Not the Jesus who I only think about when it benefits me or when I need something. Not the Jesus that I think is just going to make my life easy. But the real Jesus. 
The one who says, in this world you will find trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. The Jesus who says, I did not come to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. The Jesus who says, if you want to be my follower, you've got to give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. The Jesus who says, I've come so you might have life and have it more abundantly. And you won't know the real Jesus and other people won't know the real Jesus if all we're doing is just put it on a show. We're going to miss him completely if all that we're doing is putting mud on our face and throwing mud at others. And the people out there who don't know Jesus, they don't really care about the show that we're trying to put on anyways. What we need, what the people around us need, is a church that's pursuing God wholeheartedly. An authentic faith that's seeking each day to be more and more like Jesus by drawing closer to him. While I was... Uh, writing this sermon, I was sitting on my back porch, and I have a couple of pepper plants on my back porch. I kept looking at them over and over again uh, as I was writing, not because they're producing a lot of peppers, but because they're dying. Uh, I haven't watered them regularly enough like I should. I'm sitting there thinking about it. I, I haven't done a good job of keeping the bugs off of them. I probably have them in pots that are a little bit too small for the plant. They've been neglected because I've been focusing my attention on other things. Maybe this morning, maybe you might be feeling like that a bit in your own life. Maybe your soul needs the refreshing living water that comes through that connection with Christ. Maybe you've got some bugs that have been gnawing away that need to be removed. Maybe you've been neglecting time with Jesus Because the world keeps snatching your attention away. Maybe as you're thinking about your life, it's not producing the kind of fruit that you want it to produce. Maybe there's just some challenges that you got in front of you. And maybe this morning you just find yourself in need of a little boost. During our last song, as the band comes forward, I'm going to invite us to come and to pray. Not, Not for show. Not worried about what anyone thinks if you actually do come forward but just to spend some time with Jesus. Just to take some time to meet with him, to connect with him, to let him know what's going on in your life, to listen to his voice as he reminds you that you are his beloved child who he loves and cares for deeply. So I'm going to say a prayer, and then after I do, I want to invite you to come to the altar to take some time uh, to meet with Jesus today. Gracious God, uh, we do pray that as we gather before you that we might truly have that connection, that encounter with you. We pray that we would have ears that are open to hear your voice as you remind us who we are in you, as you call us forward to take whatever steps you are leading and guiding us on to remind us that you are our refuge and strength, to remind us that you are the one who makes a way. Oh, we invite you into this space, into this time. We might experience your refreshing presence and power. That we might be renewed by your Holy Spirit's work within us. That we might be revived. That we might be sent out to live a life that truly honors you. To live in a way that's not focused on me, not focused on us. A life that's lived for your glory and for the sake of others. We pray that we might hear you as we call upon you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.